Hey. Guess what, Emily? What? I'm feeling a little poopy today. Just like, I don't know, headachey. But I did a thing. I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where Chelsea and Emily wine and talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a double one time drop. What'd you do? I'll show you. Okay, this is really good for pot- the people listening that they can totally we'll see tell you. Okay, so she is she took off her headphones and she has huge ass earrings and oh now she has a feather headband on that she has put her headphones over now. Earrings are so uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm also looking at the beads that are hanging from your face and thinking, wow, those aren't going to be annoying in the mic. Not at all. No, I'm only wearing this for two seconds so we can introduce what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Chelsea? I don't remember. Something oh, about 20s and alcohol because it's quarantini month. So it's super awake pupil. Super awake pupil. Wrong. It's drowsy chaperone. Yay! This is a dedication to the lovely Brandon. If you are a Patreon member at the $20 tier, you get to choose your own show that we cover. And Brandon was in this show when I music directed it. Ding! Pop! Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you drinking? I have a big swig. This is from, it's chili mango lime. I'm sorry, chili mango from Austin, Texas, big swig. It's seltzer water. But the alcohol I am drinking is an old fashioned because we're going back in the 20s today. So I got this old fashioned. I didn't make this old fashioned. It came from Anvil Bar and Refuge in Houston. You can buy bottles of pre-made cocktails the old fashioned was $38 and it, it made like eight drinks. Oh my. And they're strong as hell. I'm going to be messed up by the end of this episode. Oh, good. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you drinking? Drinking just H-E-B black tea. Yay. Ooh. With coconut milk. Mm. But I'm also, I've been having, I've bought this a long time ago and haven't tried it, but it is the Bishop Cider Company Texas Tea. It's black tea and lemon. Oh, and it's cider. She's got the tea, y'all. Got a lot of the tea. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you whining about? I'm whining that you never whine first. I always whine first. I literally listened to an episode today where I whined first. I guess I'm whining because I just have a massive headache today, and I don't think this old-fashioned is going to help in any way, shape, or form, but that's okay because it's delicious. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go Good. down and the old-fashioned go down. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you whining about? You know, I've thought about that all day. It's a sparkling wine that I am super excited for what was supposed to be today, but is now going to be Wednesday. Eep. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's a good boss. It's coming on the show. This is a good opportunity to go ahead and announce that you probably are like, wow, there was a full episode last week where it was Shrek. Why are they doing another musical this week? 
Well, Chelsea, well, mostly Chelsea made this decision, but I'm going along with it. <laughs> we are changing our format so that we will be bringing you one full length episode every week. So that means we have done away with the minisodes for right now. But only for now. Yes. Or five now. Only five now. Or one now. Probably four now because there's only four Thursdays in most of the months, except for the ones I hate that have five. So that, get ready for a lot of musicals coming your way. Hey. All right. We're ready. Do some drowsy chaperone. Yeah, I mean, I'm fit right in. I'm I'm drowsy, and I'm Chelsea chaperone. She sure is. Tell me all about drowsy chaperone. I sh- sure will. So, drowsy chaperone. Um, it's a musical. It's a musical. Good. <laughs> We've made it. The the book is by Bob Martin and Don McKellar, and music and lyrics are by Lisa Lambert and Greg Morrison. It's it's a parody of an American musical comedy of the 1920s. So it is a show within a show. Drowsy Chaperone debuted in 1998 at the Rivoli in Toronto in 1998. But it didn't actually open on Broadway at the Marquee Theater until May 1st, 2006. Damn. It, had, it was in Toronto. And then it had a Toronto revival. And then it had another Toronto revival. And then it had another Toronto revival before it even made it to L.A. and then Broadway. There's a lot, a lot of shows that happened before. But it went through a lot of, uh, of different things. So... Drowsy Chaperones, they started to write it in 1997 when Don McKellar, Lisa Lambert, Greg Morrison, and several of their friends created a spoof of old musicals for the stag party of Bob Martin and Janet Vandergraaf. So in the first first time they were doing this musical, there was no man in chair, and the music actually ranged between the 1920s and the 1940s. And the jokes were not as family-friendly as they are in the final. Aha! Aha! friendly you say family friendly now bob martin who is bob martin you might have recognized his name well he is a television and musical theater actor from toronto he was an actor and a director at the second city in toronto in 1996 and he was the artistic director of second city in toronto from 2003 to 2004 and he made his broadway debut as man and chair in his musical the drowsy chaperone is that the show we're doing the show we're doing now you might recognize his name as well for, because he was the co-book writer of elf hmm. so he is actually so bob martin is currently writing the book for the musical adaptation of the princess bride with david yazbek and rick ellis what yeah this bride is gonna be a musical but yeah yeah but also guess what else he's doing He's also writing a sequel to The Drowsy Chaperone and a musical adaptation of Night at the Museum with Sean Levy. He is also writing an adaptation of Millions with a score by Adam Gattel. Oh my God, though. Drowsy Chaperone Part 2? Part 2. I love that so much. There isn't a lot of information on all that, so we're just going to go ahead and move on. As I said before, the Broadway production it opened in May 2006 at the Marquee Theater and closed December 30th, 2007 after 674 performances and 32 previews. 
It was directed and choreographed by Casey Nicola. And the production starred Bob Martin, Sutton Foster, Georgia Engel, Edward Hibbett, and Beth Liebel. All-star cast. Yes. I do want to point out some of the people from the original cast as well as later cast. So at the first reading, as I said before, there was no man in chair. And like the drowsy chaperone was Lisa Lambert. And none of the people who came from the original first reading transferred to the Broadway performance. But the original Broadway cast included Bob Martin as man in chair, Beth Liebel as the drowsy chaperone, Sutton as Janet, and Troy Britton Johnson as Robert Martin, Eddie Corbick as George, Danny Burstein as Adolfo, Georgia Engel as Mrs. Tottendale, Edward Hibbett as Underling, Lenny Wolf as Feldzik, Jennifer Smith as Kitty, Keisha Lewis Evans as Trix, Jason Kratvitz as Gangster One, and Garth Kratvitz as Gangster Two. They had brothers? So they had brothers not only for the original Broadway cast, but they also had brothers for the North American tour, which was Paul Riopel and Peter Riopel. I love that so much. Yeah, adorable. Moving from like Broadway to North American tour and then to the original London cast was Bob Martin as Man in Chair. And then Georgia Engel did Mrs. Tottendale for both Broadway and the North American tour. Now, this is interesting. The original Australian cast had Jeffrey Rush in the role of Man in Chair. Do you know who that is? I don't. No. He is Captain Barbosa. From Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh. Isn't that fun? That is so fun. That is so fun. But most importantly, my favorite person in the world, Sutton Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sutton Foster was in it. So it has several awards. For the Tony Awards, it won Best Book of a Musical, Best Original Score, Best Performance by a Featured Actress in a Musical, Best Scenic Design, and Best Costume Design. This is all 2006. And it won the Drama Desk Award in 2006 for Outstanding Musical, Outstanding Book of a Musical, Outstanding Featured Actress in a Musical, Outstanding Lyrics, Outstanding Music, Outstanding Set Design, Outstanding Costume Design, and then it won the Theater World Award. Bob Martin just won it. There's there's no category. He just won. <laughs> but it had several nominations. Like the the list just goes on and on, including including, you know, Bob Martin as best leading actor for the Tonys and Sutton Foster best leading actress um, as they were nominated, but unfortunately did not win that year. Ooh. And get this. On June 2nd, 2014, director Fred Shapisi was hired to direct a film adaptation. Where that is, I don't know. Really? <laughs> yeah. So there is a Playbill article that, is, that came out June 2nd, 2014 by Michael Gioa and Andrew Gans. It, the headline is Hugh Jackman, Anne Hathaway, Barbara Streisand interested in drowsy chaperone film, director Fred Chapisi attached. Oh my God, that would be such a great cast. I want, I want to note this. Literally, Robert Martin is the name of the lead uh, mm-hmm. love interest, right? Now, who is that written? Like, who's, who is that role? I don't know. It's Bob Martin. 
Oh who my! Wrote, who is man in chair? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I didn't. Remember, it's their stag party. I did not connect those dots, but okay. All right. Are you ready? I think so. Have you ever seen this show? So my connection with the show is that it was one of the two shows my senior year at Furman. Uh, it was the first one and the other one was Shrek. And it was the first show I ever did backstage tech for. Nice. When I got called in the week of the show to help out. I would have never wanted to be backstage for this show. I was on the easy side. Okay. I like helped with a quick change and I brought on a chair and then took off a chair. Oh, okay. It was a beautiful set. It was like, oh gosh, it was a very good perform like production. I will say that my uh, my friend Jordan was the director, and she did a bang up job with it. Tell me about it, Janet. So we start with the overture. It just kind of gives you all of what you're going to listen to in the next hour and a half of a show. Is there intermission? There is, yes. Oh, we didn't do intermission. We put an intermission in because it was necessary. We open on Man in Chair after the overture has gone through, and the curtain opens to his apartment. And the man in chair is sitting there, and he looks up and he says, Oh, hello, in the song, hello. Hello. How are we today? A little quiet? I'm feeling a little blue myself. You know, a little anxious for no particular reason. Anyway, whenever I'm feeling this way, blue, I like to listen to my music. So I was going through my box of records this morning. Yes, records. And what did I find but one of my favorite shows, Gable and Stein's The Drowsy Chaperone. Now, let's visualize. If you're cast as man and chair, you better be ready to learn some lines, honey. (laughs) You are telling the entire story through a recording, through a, like Barry Broadway uses. A vinyl, a record player? Record player, that's the one. So it's basically Barry Broadway, but on stage. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So Barry Broadway, shout out to y'all, man and chair. And he doesn't have a name. He's just man and chair. Man and chair. Also, there is no intermission. You wrote one in. Lies. Lies. But we put one in, I guess, because we had to pee. Sorry, Brandon. Whatever. It was necessary. So we open on Man in Chair, who is literally sitting in his armchair at his apartment. His apartment is, like, obviously built for one. It's very tiny. It's like my little bedroom here. It's obviously meant for one and maybe two people crammed in there sometimes. So you have to cram James in. That's what she said. The audience is in my bedroom, my efficiency. Oh, hello there. Hi. I had a nickel every time that happened. I'd have no nickels. Mute yourself. <laughs> God damn it, Emily. So he looks up and he's, he breaks the fourth wall immediately and starts talking to the audience. And then he, he says, oh, I'm just kind of sad today. I'm just down. I'm blue. Have you ever been blue? And he talks for like 10 minutes. And so he says, you know what I do when I'm down? I actually like to listen to musicals. Let's see what I have. And he pulls out different musicals and he finds the drowsy chaperone and puts it on. 
So he puts on this vinyl of The Drowsy Chaperone, which is his favorite musical, and he's talking about it, that it's a 1928 musical comedy with some of his favorite players and uh, actors and, and costumes, and he talks about how much he loves everything about the production. This commentary sporadically reveals aspects of his personal life, such as his failed marriage, an implied attraction to Drowsy's leading man. Our man in chair was so perfect. Like, he, he sounds like this guy. He sounds like this man in chair. He sits down and puts on the, the show, the vinyl, Drowsy Chaperone, and he's going to walk the audience through it, much like what we do and what Buried Broadway does with their vinyls. And he plays the first song. My dress, my dress, my fancy dress. I don't know why I'm wearing it, I must confess. Me. You will hear the orchestration ahead of my fancy dress. And he's talking about how it builds and it's wonderful. And he's like dancing along and he's like all over his apartment having a great time listening to the orchestration overture of this musical. And then with my fancy dress, his apartment sort of disappears. It depends. You can play it different ways. It starts to fade out and we fade in on Mrs. Tottendale singing about her dress. She's like, I'm wearing this beautiful dress. And she's this older lady. And she's like, why am I wearing it? I don't know. Underling <laughs> comes into the room to tell her why she's wearing her dress because she obviously has some sort of dementia or Alzheimer's of some sort. And she's very out of it. And that's just her character. And she's just the kooky old lady. And it's, she's adorable. I love, I love this character. She's our Tottendale did a great job. I love Laura. Tottendale is supposed to be this like adorable, sweet lady going, where am I? What Hashtag me all the time. That's you. You would be a great Tottendale. <laughs> I'd hire you as Tottendale. Aw, thanks. So anyway, she's being told now by her servant, Underling, that she's wearing her dress because there's going to be a wedding. There's a very big wedding. It's the day of the wedding of the oil tycoon Robert Martin and Broadway star Janet Van de Graaff, who plan she plans to give up her career on stage for the married life. And those in attendance, including aging hostess Mrs. Tottendale, she is hosting the wedding at her home, her loyal employee underling, Robert's best man George, Broadway producer Feltzig, who is Janet Vandegraaff's producer. He's also hoping to persuade Janet to forego the marriage and continue starring in Feltzig's Follies on stage. The ditzy flapper Kitty, who is Feltzig's girlfriend slash not girlfriend slash kind of girlfriend who follows him around, wants to take over Janet's place yes. in the and then we have two gangsters at this party who are disguised as pastry chefs. And then also self-proclaimed famed Latin lover, Adolfo. Oh my goodness. Change the Z and the um, F in Feltzig. What do you get? I feel, oh, Zigfield. Oh my God. Why didn't I see that before? Y'all. That's the joke. Should have known that. <gasps> okay. So all of these characters that I'm listing off right now, they're all walking in the door. Wedding bells will ring. Wedding bells will chime. Wedding bells will celebrate a happy wedding time. Someone hasn't come. Someone isn't here. Where is Janet Vandegraaff and when will she appear? So wedding bells are here, blah, 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 blah. And they're all talking about why they're there and who they are as they enter the wedding scene. 
there's these pastry chefs who are gangsters and they tell everybody, hi, we're gangsters disguised as pastry chefs. The reason why the gangsters are there is because they're keeping an eye on Feltzig. Feltzig's trying to get Janet back and not get, he doesn't want her married because if she gets married, she won't be on the stage, which means he won't make money, which means he can't pay off the gangsters that he's been paying for quite some time. So they're making sure Janet stays on the stage so they can make their money uh, and their boss can make their money. We also have Latin lover, Adolfo, Adolfo, and Janet's alcoholic chaperone, who is supposed to keep her away from Robert until the wedding day. I'm Janet, Janet Van de Graaff, here to marry Robert Martin, giving up a life of glamour to tie the knot. Am I late? I'm the chaperone, chaperone of Janet Van de Graaff, maid of honor, friend and confidant, and all that rot. Where's the bar? And then we also have tricks and aviatrix. I'm tricks, the aviatrix, queen of the sky. I circle through the stratus in my modern apparatus. I'm tricks, the aviatrix, I gotta fly. I'll see you when they turn the knot. So she's random, but she's great. She's random. <laughs> random. Tricks is like, Hi, everyone. I'm Trix, the aviatrix. And then she goes away. That's my kind of role. Right? Eve apart. We go into, oh, the gangsters reveal to Felsic that their boss has invested in the Follies and wants to make sure that the show is a financial success. So, like I said before, they are worried that Janet leaving means that their boss is not going to make the money that he needs to make to pay them and blah, 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 blah. So that's why they are there. And they tell Feltzik that he must sabotage the wedding and make sure Janet stays in show business. Feltzik decides that he's going to manipulate the really, really stupid but very handsome Adolfo. He's going to manipulate him to seduce Janet Van de Graaff <gasps> and foil her relationship with Robert. No! The groom was played by the dashing Percy Hyman. Before he was an actor, he was the Albright Toothpaste Man. Albright was hugely popular in the early 20s because it contained cocaine. Oh yes, it's true. If you looked at the label, it was the fifth ingredient down, right after sugar. So Percy Hyman is the person who plays Robert. And now we're actually going into Robert's bedroom at the wedding. And he's going to tell us a little bit about him, Percy Hyman. He's basically a toothpaste ad salesman salesman in the 20s so robert the person who's marrying janet is this very 1920s going to sell you something kind of guy <laughs> just like that so anyway we're in robert's room and he realizes that he is nervous about the wedding to get rid of his quote-unquote cold feats he tap dances, and George, his best man, who is also nervous, joins in the dance. George notices that tap dancing could be really, really bad for Robert, and he doesn't want him to hurt himself. So he suggests instead that he go roller skating in the garden instead. But not before they sing the song, Cold Feats. Cold Feats, Cold Feats. 
brother, you got cold feet. You can make them cold feet hot with a little rhythm, young feet. You make the cold feet hot. Instead of tap dancing, which could be really bad for Robert's ankles. George, his best man, suggests that Robert go roller skating in the garden instead and gives him roller skates. Good. He puts on his roller skates and rolls on off. George says, hey, you probably don't want to see your fiance either if you're rolling around out there. So here's a blindfold. Put it on. Oh, you're such a great guy, George. Thank you so much. So he's roller skating blindly through the garden now. And now they're outside. We move to the outside area in the garden. The uh, man in chair interrupts the show several times, and he'll talk a little bit about the characters. So talks about the oops girl. The oops girl. The bride was played by Jane Roberts. She was the oops girl, remember? She was billed as the girl whose sexual energy was so great that it caused the men around her to have accidents. Spill their drinks and drive their cars into trees. And she would go, oops! <laughs> well, I'm really not doing it justice, but people ate it up. Now we're at school where Janet Vandegraaff is being interviewed by reporters about her upcoming nuptials. Are they showing? <laughs> She's talking about... Uh, why she's leaving the stage and the reporters are very very curious and she's saying well you know i'm just i'm just tired of showing off and her song show off she tells everybody all about how she never wants to show off again while she does tricks and sings high and sings low and holds out big belty notes and does the cartwheels and plays with uh, different instruments and is like doing a million different things while costume changing. Mm-hmm. Here's our, our lovely Sutton with Show Off. I don't want to show off no more. I don't want to wear this no more. Play the saucy Swiss Miss no more. Below my signature, no more. I don't want to show off. This song is a lot like Carol Channing's uh, Jazz Baby from Thoroughly Modern Millie, the movie, where she's yeah. like, oh, oh. I think that was what they were trying to go That's for. That's what they're going for. Carol Channing, yeah, 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 yeah. So we go through the entirety of the song, and she's done five costume changes, and she's done Houdini's trick where she gets out of the straight jacket, mm-hmm. and she's been brought off stage, and she comes back on stage from a different location in a grand gown. It's a big number, y'all. If you can't breathe properly, don't do this number. <laughs> Learn to breathe first. If you can't do the impossible, then you cannot do this number. Yeah. on stage that happens which is what you saw if you saw our theme art done by christy with from pen to paper from pen to paper um pen to paper go check them out but our spit take happens with miss tottendale and 
Under- underling. I can't remember underling. He was so- one of my favorite characters because Kevin played him so well. Overling. Yes. You remember uh- it now. <laughs> it now. So Underling is carrying a cart of vodka and water. And Miss Tottendale is saying, well, we're in the prohibition times. We're not supposed to have alcohol at the party. So when I want alcohol, when I want the vodka, I'm going to tell you that I want water. Okay, Underling? And he's like, yeah. Big wink. With a big wink. So she says, Tottendale, please pour me a glass of water. And so he pours her a glass of vodka, which she drinks and immediately spits in his face. And she calls him a big poop. You old <laughs> I wanted water. He's like, well, but I thought you wanted water. Are we not doing the vodka? Okay. She's like, Underline, uh, I want a glass of water. And he goes, water? With a wink? And she's like, yes, water. So he pours her another glass of vodka and she spits it out in his face and then the man in chair comes back in he's like this goes on for a while so he speeds through it and like skips through the the vinyl the vinyl and so all the actors are doing what's happening on the vinyl and doing the spit take back and forth water you poop water water and so by the end of the scene underlean is covered in this disgusting whatever she's been spitting at him the whole time. Every night, I lost it watching that. And I saw this show like a mazillion times. A bazillion billion times. Because I just loved it. I kept coming back even though I knew the show backwards and forwards. Yeah. I obviously don't anymore. <laughs> okay, so we cut into Janet's room. And Janet is now having doubts about whether Robert really loves her. <gasps> pause for effect (gasps) she asks her chaperone who's there to keep her separated from robert uh because this is the 20s and they're not supposed to see each other the night before and everybody was worried they were gonna try to have sexual relations cramming into the small efficiency continue (laughs) god damn it emily the chaperone gives her some advice and she's this boozy lady that just always has a drink in her hand, hence drowsy chaperone. because She's always sleepy because she's been drinking. The drowsy chaperone responds within a big number called As We Stumble Along. As we stumble along on life's funny journey We look here and we look there Seeking answers anywhere Never sure of where to turn or what to do. It's a rousing anthem to alcoholism, which the man in chair explains the original actress playing the chaperone insisted on including in the show. He says that the original actress who played the drowsy chaperone was like this huge diva and she had a lot of pull with what made it in and what didn't make it in the show. But she insisted on this one. Beatrice Stockwell was famous for her rousing anthems. She demanded a rousing anthem in every show she ever did. Actually, do you know who Even Beatrice Stockwell friends? is? There is a, an actress, a famous performer in 1906 named Daisy Dormer, who was born Ken- Kezia Beatrice oh Stockwell. God. Shut up, what? Mm-hmm. 
That's fantastic. Well, she's holding a drink throughout the entire song saying basically, well, my dear, I don't give a damn. But we all just kind of stumble through life and we don't quite make the right decisions the first time. So you always have another option. And who really gives a damn in the end? As we stumble All men give a damn. Give a damn. Yeah. She's drunkenly singing this song. Uh, we staged it to be on, on Janet's bed, and she's just like all over the place. The chaperone tells Janet she's feeling a little drowsy and needs to take a nap, giving Janet the opportunity to ask Robert if he loves her. So she's basically like, I need to take a nap, Janet. I won't be watching you for the next 15 minutes go away. And she, so she lays down and takes a nap in Janet's bed while Janet runs off to find Robert. Janet goes to the, uh, goes into the garden where Robert is roller skating blindly. Okay. But before oh, dear. We that scene, the chaperone happily pretends to be Janet when she's awoken in Janet's bed to the sexy Adolfo. Ooh. He mistakes the chaperone for Janet, because he's never met Janet. He's just there, and he's been told by Feltig, go and seduce this person. He's like, I'm Adolfo. I can seduce anybody. <laughs> Goes into the room, thinking it's Janet, and tries to seduce the chaperone in the song, I am Adolfo. And before that, the man in chair comes in and tells us a little bit about this character or this person playing Adolfo, whose name is Roman Bartelli. I'm sure that you have heard the name Adolfo, a ladies man who wins acclaim Adolfo. Well, lovely miss, I am the same Adolfo. I introduce myself. I am Adolfo. He's another one who has to be able to like move around as much as possible because the stuff that he does is so ridiculous ridiculous he has to be able to play comedy and also move well he walks in the room and we staged it so that he's like sexily walking across the stage and then he falls naturally lead with the pelvis for sure on this one I am Janet meets the blindfolded roller skating Robert in the garden now after we leave Adolfo and the chaperone to canoodle. Ooh, canoodle? Canoodle. And she's pretending now to be someone else because Robert doesn't recognize her voice. He's out there and she says, hello. And he's like, who's there? And she's like, this is a good chance to see if Robert loves me. So she goes up to Robert the blindfolded Robert, who can't see her and pretends to be the French woman named Mimi from the middle parts of France where they make the toast. She asks Robert how he met his bride and he describes their love-struck first meeting uh, in the song Accident Waiting to Happen. So they're actually, they met on a 
boat. They met on a boat and things were rocky and they just kind of fell into each other's arms. So he starts to sing the song, Accident Waiting to Happen. There was a time I could stop on a dime Forbearance was one of my talents But since you've been around I can't hold my ground I'm consistently losing my balance I'm an accident waiting to happen I'm a mishap about to ensue so this goes on and on and on, and he's talking about how he's an accident waiting to happen, all the while tripping and falling on his roller skates. In the song, he and Janet start singing together. He still thinks she's someone else, and he's carried away by his emotions. Robert kisses Mimi. <gasps> she seems like Janet. She seems so much like Janet. Janet furiously storms off because Robert has kissed a strange French girl who is actually her. You're an accident waiting to happen. So hurry and happen to Dick. Which one? Both of them. Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. Both of them. Kitty, hoping to take place in the Follies, tries to demonstrate her mind reading talents to Feltzik, but he is unimpressed. She's really cute. I love this scene. She's like, you're thinking about... It's, it's just the cutest thing. The gangsters then confront Feltzik, threatening him with a murderous Toledo surprise. They're going, you want that Toledo surprise. And they're doing all these like big macho movements to try to scare him, like pounding their fists uh, uh, into their into their hand. And Feltzig sees this as an opportunity to turn this into something else. So he's like, whoa, show me that again. You know I'm a producer. Hit your hand again. Oh, perfect. You guys are the perfect, I, uh, perfect pair of masculinity I could put on Broadway or put in the follies. Y'all can, you'll be perfect for this part I have in the follies. Of course, he doesn't have any parts, but he's like, can you do that with, while singing and dancing a little? And so they start going through what they were going to do to Feltzik, but in song and dance. Chop the nuts, pound the dough, bake it up nice and slow. Then you got a Toledo. Toledo surprise. Now sell it. He turns it into a song for them. And so they turn it into this really fun, fast dancing show where everybody gets involved in the Toledo surprise. announces that this is the end of the first act and the first record 
of the two record set. He puts on another record saying that the audience can listen to the opening of the second act of the drowsy chaperone and leaves for the restroom. So he's like, I don't believe in intermissions, but I do have to pee. This is where we put our intermission and you can put your intermission here, folks. Intermission. Director's choice. He puts on act two of Drowsy Chaperone while he goes to the bathroom and then runs back on stage to fix it because in the time that he's gone to the bathroom, he has put on the wrong vinyl that his, his housemate or uh, what does he call her? He, I guess it's his, his maid who comes and cleans for him, put the wrong record into the Drowsy Chaperone thing. So what pops up on the record player is the song Message from a Nightingale which is very, very inappropriate. It's an oriental palace appears on stage with characters in stereotypical oriental costumes and the chaperone costume by an English woman in a hoop skirt dress. This is much like The King and I. And it is intentionally stereotypical and offensive because they want to outline what is wrong with musical theater. He gets back in the room while they're doing this whole scene that's very uh, King and I and cuts the record. And everybody looks at him like, you were in the middle of that. It was from the musical, The Enchanted Nightingale, not second act of Drowsy Chaperone. He finds the correct record and the Drowsy Chaperone continues into act two where we find Janet in a musical dream sequence, which this is the strangest damn song I've ever heard in my life. I love this song. The Bride's Lament is about monkeys. Um, try to ignore the lyrics. I know it'll be difficult, but block them out. They're not the best. But the tune is beautiful, and it truly communicates the bride's state of mind. Just ignore the lyrics. I put a monkey on a pedestal and tried to make that monkey stay. There's monkeys on stage. So everybody came out with little monkey hats and little symbols, you know, like that monkey symbol thing, that little toy. Like from Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, like from Phantom, exactly. Oh my God! Look at that. And she's really sad about her lost love and decides she wants to return to the stage. Put a monkey on a pedestal. So anyway, it's a really hard song, actually. Teaching an ensemble this song killed me. Is it the monkey or my pedestal? tells Underling that the wedding will proceed as planned because love is always lovely in the end. There's a lot of butt jokes in this song. Tondale loves butt jokes. She sure does. Poop and everything else. You poop. You poop. Oh, you poop. But in the song, love is always lovely in the end, we kind of get a little flirtation between Underling and Mrs. Tottendale. Ooh. Love makes lovers worry, love makes lovers fret, but here's a fact on which we can depend. 
just like long ago when Romeo loved Juliet. Love is always lovely in the end. So it's a sweet song. Love is always lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Love is always lovely in the end. Love is always lovely in the end. The chaperone announces that there will be a wedding after all. She and Adolfo are getting married, which Adolfo protest. Mrs. Tottenden announces that she and Underline are getting married as well. Oh my gosh, that one song, they fell in love and now they're going to get married. Oh so, my God. The chaperone saying that there will be a wedding because she and Adolfo are getting married and Adolfo's like, I don't know about this. I just like, I slept with you once, but okay. And then Tottendale is getting married to Underline. Robert then tells Janet that he loves her and the man in chair announces that one of his favorite parts is coming up. The chaperone gives Janet advice on what to do as someone drops a cane and the chaperone says, I, while you can, leaving out the middle syllable of the word. We don't know it's, if it's leave while you can or live while you can. It's L slash V-E while you can. Because or love while you can? It might be love, live, or leave while you can. <laughs> love, live, leave. This took the longest to actually stage because we had to get the drop of the cane correctly. Adolfo drops the cane while the chaperone is giving Janet advice in front of all these people, and it had to be perfect. Like, the cane has to drop right as she says the L word so that nobody understands. And then you go back and he rewinds, and they have to do the scene all over again. So you have to know where you're standing go back exactly to where you land and then freeze when he freezes the recording. Every time the man in chair talks, you freeze because you're not performing in the show anymore. It's beautiful. So leave or love while you can. They leave out the middle syllable and we don't know. The man in chair then has this emotional breakdown on stage. And I feel you, man. I really feel you. Because he's been drinking now. He's been listening to his favorite musical. He's Maybe he's quarantined at home. I don't know. We all have our emotional breakdowns, right? <laughs> is this real life? <laughs> Wait, is this how we've been living our lives, this quarantine? I tell you what, Emily. Every time I saw this scene, I cried. Every single time. Because he starts to talk about his emotions. He expresses his wonderment about the phrase that he doesn't hear asking if it's live while you can or leave while you can. And he shares a brief backstory about his unsuccessful marriage and about how you should never leave, only live. The scene after this emotional breakdown, which is like, God, 10 minutes long, and I cry the whole time through, ugh, the scene transforms back to Janet, where she admits that she was really the French girl and agrees to marry Robert. Aww. Audience dries their eyes and the man in chair goes back and plays the rest of the, the album, the record there. And everything's going to be happy. Then to appease the gangsters, Feltzig tells them that he has discovered a brand new star, Kitty. He asks her to demonstrate her mind reading talent. And when she reads, I love this part, when she reads Feltzig's mind, she announces that he wants to marry her, <gasps> which he doesn't. 
Daddy's kind of stuck right now because he's like, he's got to sell the product. How to sell the product. So he's like, yeah, sure. Oh my God, she's right. I was going to ask her to marry me. Oh, fudge buckets. Love, live, leave. <laughs> so now we've got a bunch of people getting married. We've got Robert and Janet. We've got Feltzik and Kitty. We've got Tottendale and Underling. And we've got the drowsy chaperone and Adolfo, all of these people getting married out the butt. The best man now has four weddings to organize and be best man for and realizes that he has failed at his utmost important task, finding a minister. Fuck. You had one job. It's just, it's such a good role for him because he's got these high tenor notes and the, the best man has to like hold out this high tenor note and then freeze while the, the man in chair talks. And sometimes man in chair wants to go fuck with George and we'll just keep talking a little bit, go up to him, talk at him. I don't know. And then he puts the record back on and man and the George has to go back to that high tenor note. <laughs> oh, and remember what the pitch is that he was just singing. It's yeah. insane. Oh no, I forgot the minister. Oh. <laughs> now he doesn't have a minister for all these weddings he sucks as a best man but that's okay because remember i talked about tricks she lands her plane in the garden and she announces that she's about to depart for rio who the hell are you i'm tricks the aviatrix queen of the sky Everybody realizes that because she's a captain of a plane, it's kind of like being a captain of a ship. Wait! The captain of a ship can perform a marriage? Yes! And a pilot is comparable to a captain? Yes! And airplane is a kind of a chip? A chip of the air? Some call it an air chip. Oh, ship! Yes! Wait! I got it! Tricks! You can marry them on the plane, and then we'll all have the honeymoon in Rio! Basically, because a captain on board a ship can perform marriages, everyone comes to the realization that Tricks, as a pilot, can perform marriages on board a plane. So everybody has to be in the air for this number, and she can all fly them to Rio for their honeymoons in the song, I Do, I Do, in the Sky. But what a thrill when lovebirds trill I do, I do in the sky. Right at the end of the song, there's like seven part harmony happening. There's all this crazy, crazy high notes for everyone. And then all of a sudden, everything on stage goes black and everybody on stage kind of falls silent and literally falls down. One can't restrain that sweet refrain. I do, I do. because there's been a power outage in the man in chair's apartment. So this play within a play is happening and affecting the final chord of the song. And so he's like, oh no. And the superintendent starts pounding on the door and comes in to check the circuit breakers. And what's funny about this is that throughout the whole 
show, the phone has been ringing in and out of different scenes. And finally, man in chair goes over to his phone, rips it out of the, of the wall and throws it because he's like, I am so tired of people interrupting me. I, I'm so tired of rude people in the theaters and rude people in general and people trying to call me throughout the entirety of the show. So when the superintendent comes, he's like, I tried calling you. <laughs> and Cher's like, oh, must have been a problem with the phone. So he goes into the back and checks the circuit breakers. And then all of a sudden the lights come back on and the music kind of turns back up, like, you know, a record getting started playing. We had to practice that final note to I do, I do in the sky several times because I needed them to scoop into it as, as if a record player were starting back up. And it was the effect. And I have a video of it. I'll share it and I'll post it later of rehearsal for that. Finish with this big power cord as the big power comes back on in his apartment and the show has finished. The superintendent has left. Everybody on stage is gone. We're back in the man in chair's sad little apartment. And alone again, man in chair sadly expresses his deep love for the musical that he's never actually seen. Aww. So we see that Man and Chair is just imagining all of this. Everything that's been happening in his apartment, all these sets that come on and off, it's all just been in his head, him imagining what this show looks like. Which, if that's the case, he's a fantastic director because it's a great show. I know. I'm like, wait a second. He did a bang-up job. And he, he begins to sing the song As We Stumble Along which is the reprise of the Jazzy Chaperone song. And it's a very sad acapella as we stumble along. Then a ukulele starts up and Tottendale is playing her little ukulele. At slowly, one at a time, the characters in the cast come back on stage and start to interact with the man in chair. As we stumble along on life's funny journey. As we stumble along into the blue, we look here and we look there. And they're all singing as we stumble along and the music swells and everybody's singing. It's beautiful. I cried so hard every show because he's not alone because he has his music. Quarantini. Cheers. You didn't know that this this show wasn't just about alcohol. That's not why I chose it. Quarantini month. This man in chair, poor guy, he is alone. And I totally relate sitting there with, you know, my alcohol here in hand. It this is this has been a terrible year. And I hope that music makes things better for everyone out there. 
or podcasts. And mm. imagine spit takes. Mm, and imagining those spit takes. If you would like to film a spit take and send it to us, we will absolutely put it on our Instagram. Actually, yes, please. I would love that. That sounds fun. Okay. That's so fun. Listener challenge. Woo, woo, woo. I'm going to post this on Instagram too. Give okay. us your best spit takes. Spit at your friends and film it. Love, live, leave. But make sure it's people you're quarantined with and that nobody's sick, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just realized how disgusting that challenge is and how not cool it is. Cool. It, only do it if you're already sharing saliva. Yes. So couples, <laughs> if you still kiss, please spit take on each other and film it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap her up. Charles, I love this show. I do too. And I forgot how much I love it until you literally just described it back to me. It's such a good show. Thank you. Thank you for that. I I hope that I was a good support for you while you did that. If you want to also support Chelsea as in her uh, old fashioned bottle, uh, (laughs) you can become a patron member. Uh, on patreon.com slash wines and dolls. Uh, this episode was dedicated to Brandon of our $20 level in the private box. <laughs> Dedications start at the $15 level. So if you would like an episode dedicated to you, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wines and dolls. We would like to thank our patrons who do support us, including Brandon, Sydney, Allison, Noah, Mama Lang, Mama Hardy, Mama Keen, and Andy. Hey! If you'd like to sport around our swag and support us in that way, you can find our swag store at zazzle.com slash wines underscore and underscore dolls underscore swag, where we might be getting some uh, love, live, leave swag pretty soon because I think that is hilarious. I think it's so funny. If you enjoyed this episode, please press subscribe anywhere you're listening to this podcast to never miss an episode. And please scroll down on Apple Podcasts to leave five stars. If you felt like you had a four or less star experience, please email us at winesanddolls at gmail.com for some encouragement. We would love to hear it. Listener stories are coming out soon. So if you have any stories, please email us at winesanddolls at gmail.com or submit it via Google form link in bio. You can find us on any social media at Wines and Dolls. Please go follow us. We have a lot of fun. All the pictures and videos we mentioned on the podcast are posted to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And with that, I'm Chelsea. And I'm Emily. And this is Wines and Dolls. Yay! Cheers. 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 Spit take on that wine hole. (laughs) Fancy. <laughs> <laughs>